The one thing that, that it seems to me in the Bible, once we know Jesus, there's a battle that takes place and it's a battle for my heart and it's a battle for your heart. And if we lose that battle, we become half-hearted. If we've given over part of our heart that we first gave to Jesus and it's somewhere else, we become half-hearted. And that's not a good place for a Christian to be. Because the Bible, and that's why worship is so important, John, never belittle your ministry. Because it causes us to grow in faith as we declare truth and the greatness of our God. Because sometimes we forget the greatness of our God and other things loom like giants. And they, they take over our mind and they destroy our faith. But when we believe he is great, you know, I, I, I went with a friend to a meeting on Wednesday and it, it, it was it was it was about the supernatural. As Christians, and we have given over the supernatural to the powers of darkness. You know that? Even when I say supernatural, you could think, woo! God is supernatural. He's naturally supernatural. He doesn't move in a supernatural. He is supernatural. What's supernatural to, to, to us is natural to him. He is spiritual. He can do great and wonderful things. He can transform. He can heal. He can deliver. He can do that. He can make me strong in my weakness. He can use me despite of me. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God unto everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Faith. First to last. And we're in the middle somewhere, aren't we? Faith. Faith in what? The power of the gospel. That the gospel is the power of God revealed to you and me, mankind, through Jesus Christ. A power that is both eternal and never diminishes in, it, in, it, in its ability to work in your life and my life. No matter what you face, no matter what you've been through, no matter what looms before you, the gospel is the power of God. Power to change lives. I 
I think of my father. My father came to know Christ in his, uh, in his 50s. And his life was truly transformed, my dad. My dad was, um, uh, I don't know, he had a, bit, he had a temper. He, he used um, colourful language quite often. Um, he liked to gamble. There was lots that were good about my dad. But when he came to Christ, and he, he had no faith before that. My mum did, but he didn't, and he bucked against it. But he went to a service where the, this gospel was preached and his life was transformed that night. In an amazing way, my dad went forward for salvation. He gave his heart to Jesus. He wasn't much of a singer, but from that point onwards, he was always singing choruses. My dad. He became a lover of Jesus. He wasn't an educated man. He fell out of school. He had um, uh, a thing called Savitas Dance as a, as a, 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 a nervous disorder as a 12-year-old and was put in a, um, a special school that was miles and miles away from home all on his own and that affected him, I think, uh, in ways that... Um, went through his life until he knew the Lord. So, so he, he missed out on a lot of education. He was unlearned in, in many ways. He was a factory worker. And he gave his heart to the Lord and that night he was healed. He had, he had, he had um, uh, shingles all over his back and around his front. He went forward to meet with Jesus. He met Jesus and he was healed of shingles. Like that. Not a mark on his body. That same night he was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. All in one night. And he became, his conversation was, was Jesus. He lost his job, the only job he'd had from, the, from being 14 until 60. And uh, he, he got a job cleaning telephone kiosks on his little bike, he'd pedal round. And with his little pack of spray and thing, he'd clean the, the telephone box. And he'd look for someone to talk to. He'd look for someone to tell about Jesus. That gospel was the power of God that changed my dad's life. And I know I'll meet him one day in glory again. My life's the same. The power of God came and the gospel came. And at the age of 27, my life was changed around. In March 2017, I went to the Congo. I'd been there quite a number of times before. And I went to the central Congo and I, I preached over two days in a, in a crusade. 
and 450 people were saved. This is nothing to do with me. This is going back to when I was 26 and I was, I was far from God and timid and frightened of public speaking and confused about life. I found Jesus. I had an accident that most of you will know about in February the 5th of this year. I, I fell down a flight of stairs, um, 13 stairs, and I was in a mess at the bottom of the stairs. I, I smashed my face, I uh, dislocated the shoulder and torn a, my muscle, I rotated cuff and broken this arm and a little fracture in this arm, and I was in a mess. And I remember just lying at the bottom of the stairwell, not able to move, in excruciating pain. <coughs> and just still loving Jesus there, I was still aware of him, but I, I thought, well, what is this? What, what does this mean to my life? And uh, I didn't know. And then, obviously, I've, I've got better, and I can move this arm, praise the Lord. And... There was about, as I spoke with Carol, about, I don't know, five weeks ago, I thought, should I go back to, there's something in me that wants to go back to India. When I was in the, on the bottom of the stairwell, I couldn't think of going anywhere but to A&E. But now God had done something in my life again, and I was thinking, oh, I'll get to India again. You're a bit old, Ian. You'll be 73 by the time you go. And uh, you're not quite the person you used to be, I'm physically. Um, and you get these doubts. And uh, it was just the next week that uh, Michelle Goodeve, who goes to the Perry Street, came up to me and said, Are you going to India? I said, Well, I'm just thinking about it. That's strange you should say that. She said, Well, I'd, I'd love to go because she, as a podiatrist, she wants to work with the lepers and work with their feet. She did before, and she'd like to, to spend more time there. I thought, well, funny you should say that. I was thinking about that myself. Perhaps we could pray about that. No more. Then, um, just a, a week ago, I got this unsolicited letter from Pastor Ebenezer. Um, he's the pastor in India that I, I work with. And uh, he just wrote to me and said, oh, Ian, would you think about coming to India next March to um, speak at this, uh, our graduation, which is a really big bash, they have thousands of people coming. Um, and you could be the speaker and that we could... Um... I said, oh, funny you should say that. <laughs> I said, I just, uh, I've been thinking about that for a little while. He just gave me ten days. I just, because it's a, it's a big thing. I, I mean, this is all evidence. And... Uh, Blow me down, the next day, the very next day, I'd taken a, a funeral service for someone from the church that I was pastor at. It was a close friend who died. And I, I took a funeral uh, three weeks ago. I took his funeral and it was, it was lovely. And uh, I spent some time with his widow and his two children. And uh, we, that was just great and I thought nothing more about it. And she sent me a thank you card. Just saying, thank you, blah, blah, blah. 
and I enclosed this cheque for £500 for, for the ministry, she said, your personal use and the ministry. Well, that £500 is the price of a ticket to go to India. I mean, this is the wonder of God, yeah? And can I tell you why that is? It's not that God's changed or he shows any favour to anyone. He is who he is. It's if you're wholehearted for him. And if you're willing to say yes to whatever he asks, he will do amazing stuff in your life and around you. It's of him, all you've got to be is wholehearted. And say, I'll do, you do the Jesus prayer there, nevertheless thy will be done. Yeah? And if I think, this, this will be one year after the surgery to repair my shoulder. And uh, I remember the evening in, in March, when March the 20th, when I did this and they, they, they made a mistake and they didn't give me any painkillers. I was in overnight. The, the nurse had got it wrong. She, and uh, it, was, it was just awful. I, I was awake all night. And I couldn't think anything further from my mind that night than with a year's time I might be in India. You know, I, it was so, so ridiculous to think that that, 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 that could possibly happen. And the question that I think is, how big is God in your sight? Not how big is he in the songs we've sung. Not how big is he in this book. But how big is he in your sight? How big is your God? That's the most important question that could be posed to you. Everything else is reality. Nothing we've done has changed God this morning. Nothing. Might have made him pleased. But he hasn't changed. Because of us. How big is he? How big is he? Not just big in what you can do, but how big is he in, in you? What does it mean to you that we, that we know this God? What does it mean that with the issues that you face? How big is your God in the place where you stand? David, with your future in front of you, how big is your God? Where is he going to take you? What is he going to do with you? Where is the limit? How will he take the, the life as it is? It might be in a bit of a mess. You might be a bit, your life might be like the physical life of mine down the stairwell. Screwed up. Life is not about my strength and ability. It's about my understanding of God. And 
You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. You shall know the truth. The truth won't set you free. You need to know it. And when you know it and believe the truth, the truth can and will set you free. And you'll fly with wings like an eagle. Hallelujah. That the things that the earthbound things that want wants to trap you and hold you down, like the little guy ropes that held Gulliver down and Gulliver's trousers will be broken. That the giant which is you may stand and rise up. of the one who is with you. Could you turn with me to Joshua 14? I'll be really as quick as I can now because none of that was what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that, should I? <laughs> I want to talk about Caleb I may have alluded to this in the past. But Caleb is now 40, 85 years old. He's an older man than me. Older than you, Alan. Yeah? 85? 45 years since uh, captivity and being led out of Egypt. And he stands before the mountain of God. There have been um, Joshua who was um, under direction from God was allocating the land to the twelve tribes of Israel. And verse 6 of 14 says, Now the men of Judah approached Joshua at Gilgal and Caleb son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought back a report according to my um, convictions that my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that, and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time he said this to Moses whilst Israel moved about the desert. So here I am today, 85 years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourselves heard then that the, the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. That the but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out, just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, 
son of Jephunai, and gave him Horeb as an inheritance. So it's an inheritance of his faith. So Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunai, the Kenazai, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, wholeheartedly. What would you ask God if he said what you want? Caleb. Caleb was clear. He asked for this, this place of the holy place, Hebron. He was one who was willing to wholeheartedly serve the Lord. He knew his God. He knew him. Going back 45 years in Numbers 13 and 14, the children of Israel had been delivered from Egypt miraculously. They'd had the Passover, over the Red Sea. They'd been given provision. They'd, Moses had gone up Mount Sinai and, and had the commandments of God given to him, the law. And they stood at a doorway of opportunity and Moses sent 12 spies, the leaders of uh, 12 tribes, including Joshua and Caleb. These 12 men were sent into the promised land to spy out. He said, be of good courage. See the land, see the people, see the cities. And for 40 days they were there and they, they, they saw amazing provision, fruit and grapes, pomegranates, figs, and a land flowing with milk and honey. But they came back with a report that the people are strong and the cities are fortified. The descendants of Anak live there. They were giants, they were huge people. It means long-necked people. And Caleb's report was, in Numbers 13, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. That was what Caleb said. Supported by Joshua. The word able actually means have power to succeed. We have, as, as big as this issue is, and as improbable and as impossible it seems, we have the power to succeed. And nothing has changed. I can say, in God, you have the power to succeed. You might say, you don't know my situation. You don't know what's been going on. But this I know. I know the power of God to transform my dad's life. I know the power of God to work in Carol's life. I know the power of God to work in my life. I've seen it. I've experienced it. He's taken a nothing, me, and used me in ways which are, are, are most amazing. I have the power to do something because it's not my power. It's his power. 
has been given to us. But the ten say, we, we can't do it. We cannot do it. And the people were filled with fear, not faith. They said, that they're like giants, we're like grasshoppers. How can the children of God have seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle all of a sudden they say that we are, we, are, we are like grasshoppers compared with a giant who can just put us under his feet and squash us. We are like grasshoppers. And the key phrase is, in our own eyes. Whose eyes do you look through? Is it the eyes of faith? The eyes that God's given you? The eyes of of this amazing God of all grace and love and power and authority that by his word he created all things? The ten and the two saw the same land. They saw the same people. They saw the same fruit. Ten lost sight of God. Two believed. The question is, who is the giant and who is the grasshopper? What is a giant compared with God? I know what a giant is compared with a grasshopper. But a giant compared to God makes the giant even less than a grasshopper. Unbelief will never see beyond difficulties. It will always see it through the, through the, the vista of my weakness. Faith acknowledges the power and the presence and the promises of God. Faith sees God. A whole generation missed out. Forty years. They wanted to go back. They wanted a new, new leader. God got angry and sent the plague upon them. And Caleb says, we are well able. And I say in all humility, you are well able. You are. You are well able. Not denying a challenge, but it declares the power of God in the face of the problem. Turn with me back to just the numbers. 14.24 But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. That is the promise of God. But... Because my Caleb has a different spirit. He has the spirit of God 
spirit of faith, and he follows me wholeheartedly. I suppose the challenge for me and you is, will you follow him wholeheartedly? Will you believe in him? Believe what he can do through you. You see, ten thought like Egyptian slaves. Two thought like the children of promise. Two trusted God, ten trusted themselves. Caleb saw the same as the ten, but he returned, returned to refuse to slavery. Others saw Caleb as a fool. And in Joshua we read that Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord. That's all God asks of me. That's all God asks of you. Debs, even though it's not your birthday, (laughs) his birthday wish for you is that you would wholeheartedly follow him. And he stood up with his God before Hebron. Hebron was the place of meeting. It was the place of provision. It was a place of instruction. And he said, God, I'm 85 years old. I've done all this. You've brought me into this wonderful land. Now give me that mountain. Give it to me. And he gave him Hebron as an inheritance because he wholly trusted in the Lord. Give me my children as salvation. May they come to know the Lord. Give it to me, Lord. At 85, he still had to fight. There were still people that he had to, they needed to be dispossessed. But how big is your God in your sight? What would you ask God for? Remember there was a time as a young pastor in 1990 I wasn't so young, but I was a young pastor. And I, I, I may have shared this with you before, but our church was in Ingotstone. It was Ingotstone's a fairly affluent place. We're a Pentecostal church, which most people who were religious wouldn't go to our church. They'd go to another one. And uh, the building was a bit run down. And uh, people lived in really nice houses. And I, I remember one evening, I was walking the dogs, and I said, Lord, how's this going to happen? How on earth are people going to come to our church, come to know you? That's all I want. And uh, I said, Lord, would you, would you, would you do something? And that very following Sunday evening, and which we, we used to get 30 or 40 people to Sunday evening church, which is quite good really, in many ways. 
but the place was packed to the gunnels. There weren't enough seats. And there must have been 30 or 40 gypsies that turned up. They swamped the place. They were huge, rough and ready people. I've just come and they, they, they couldn't sit them down. And I remember preaching at, um, about the finger of God writing on the wall about, you know, being, being sort of found wanting in the balance of God. And that night, 22 gypsies, adults, came to the Lord. This was all of God. It wasn't of me. It was of God. And I, my favourite, one of my favourite verses is 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Chronicles 16.9. And it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. It's a promise of God. God's eyes are ranging. And he's are searching throughout all the earth. And they're just, he's looking. He's looking for something special. And when he finds that something special, he does something. And what that special thing is, he's range, his eyes are ranging throughout all the earth looking for, for, for those whose hearts are fully committed to him, who are wholehearted. And the promise is he will strengthen them. How does he strengthen them? He gives them his Holy Spirit. He sends his Spirit from heaven into our hearts that we might be like him and we might live in his strength. As a young pastor, another minister gave me 2 Corinthians 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My wholehearted devotion to God is because I am weak. Because I cannot. I know one who can. Would you allow the same spirit that was in Joshua? Joshua was of a, and not Joshua, Caleb was of a different spirit. The world longs for a church that is of a different spirit different spirit through which the power of God would be manifest. Would you and I be part of such a people? Let us pray. Father, Lord, your word sometimes lays us bare Some shows, Father, that I'm half-hearted. That I'm not fully committed. And you want us to be. That's all you want. Not to be like the ten, but to be like the two. 
not to be fearful of circumstances because our eyes have been raised up in worship to see the greatness of our God and we've declared it, Lord. And now we want to believe it. But Father, we may stand and Father, you will give us what you, what, what Father, you've promised us. That we may have an inheritance that is born of faith and not slavery that's born out of fear. Set us free, Lord, to believe in this amazing God. But Father, you may do great and wonderful things through and in us to the glory of your name. Touch every life, Father. Pour your spirit on us. Change our attitude. May our conversation be faith conversations believing in this wonderful God. Father, we give you our lives afresh for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. May God bless each and every one of you.